0: Welcome to the Grow to Gold podcast. My name is Brett Goldstein and on today's episode I have John Soriano. He is somebody I've been following along with on social media for quite a while. He has quite a reputation for himself in the solar industry where him and I are both from and I'm excited to introduce him to the world. So John, how are you doing today my friend?
1: I'm doing great Brett. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, It's it's truly an honor to be here so, so thank you.
0: That's awesome, man. I'm grateful that you're here. So let's jump right in. So let's let's tell everybody a little bit about yourself, where you come from. What's your story, man? Where'd you grow up?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, John Spiriano, like you said, um, aka General John, that's my brand right now. Uh, so I'm 31 years young and uh, originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Well, actually, truly originally from Honduras. I actually wasn't born here. Many people don't know that. Um, I was born in Honduras, but I came over to the United States at a very, very young age. I was six years old, um, so practically grew up here and um, grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. You know, came from immigrant parents, saw them work hard. I saw my parents uh, start their own cleaning business when I was 11 years old. And I think I accredit my entrepreneurial attitude now to that because I think at a young age, I saw them quit their, you know, nine to five jobs. I guess you can say, and they decided to start their own business. And you know what they did wasn't glamorous. It wasn't sexy. They they cleaned houses for a living, but it was their business, you know. And uh, so I think that's what gave me kind of a start into the entrepreneurial journey. But uh, joined the Marine Corps when I was 19 years old. Um, did that for four years. It was a very very great experience to serve my country. I I love my country. I'm very passionate about my country mainly because i come from an immigrant background so did that for four years i got out uh, towards the last year of my uh contract with the marine corps uh, that's when i got into into entrepreneurship um did network marketing for a few years that was a great experience as well i learned tons about communication public speaking leading a team you know sales ev- everything that's equipped me with where i am today that that was a great few years um that journey didn't work out uh the company i was a part of went under many people may have heard about it vima they were like an energy drink very very popular with a young crowd back in like 2010 time frame so uh that didn't work out then i went back to school try try to use my gi bill uh i am not meant for school so shout out to the ones that go to school but didn't do that and then uh, a buddy of mine got me into solar he reached out he's like hey you know, solar is uh, the next move. You should look into it. So I did, and that was 2016, and I haven't looked back since. And it's been a, a great journey of growth and just becoming that best version of myself. But that's kind of a, a recap of uh, just my my life so far.
0: Bro, you and I have so much in common. I'm so like I knew I was drawn to you, but I didn't know why. And now that I've gotten that introduction, you and I have so much in common. So number one, my family is also immigrant. Um, coming over, both my grandparents actually survived the Holocaust. I'm from oh, Jewish wow. descent, So crazy story there, which you and I can get more into, but coming over from Honduras, your family starting a business, same thing with mine, came over, started a deli catering company again, not the most glamorous thing, but again, when you escape the type of conditions that I'm sure your family grew up in from Honduras, um, you know, anything seems glamorous, right? Especially the fact that they can control their own income and nobody's telling them what they can and can't do. And opportunities are endless in this country. So my question to you is, what was it like growing up? I'd love to go a little deeper into that if you don't mind. Um, Just the relationship with your parents, what it was like to watch them hustle. And now how that led you into entrepreneurship, because I think that's fascinating.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I want to share this one memory I have um, that that's made me really appreciative of the opportunities that we have in this in this country. Um, When I was when I was about five years old, I was in still Honduras. So Honduras um, is one of the most violent countries in the world. Um, The capital of Honduras is actually recognized as the murder capital of the world, like literally in that city, more murders and homicides happen than in any other city in the world. So that's like facts. Um, so Honduras is ran by gangs. It's a very corrupt country. So when I was five years old, I remember my mom picked me up from school and on her way back home, she got robbed gunpoint. I remember a gun being pointed at her and you know, I'm five, I don't really know what's going on, but I can just sense the fear in my mom. And uh, this guy was asking for her jewelry, her wedding ring, everything. And my mom gave it all to him. And then, you know, he took off and of course, very fortunate that that's how I worked out. That's how it played out. Cause it obviously it could have gone worse. Um, and I just remember, I just still vividly remember that, you know, that my, my parents just, it was just, they were always worried about us cause it was heavily ran by gangs and that's what inspired them to get out of the country and, you know, come to the United States because like you said, um, what my parents did for a living wasn't very glamorous, but to them it was definitely 10, 20, hundred steps above the upbringings that they had. Cause my parents grew up in like legitimate poverty. Like, poverty in the, in the United States is nothing in comparison to poverty in uh, third world countries. You know, our, my, my parents would tell us, like, they will go to sleep hungry for days. They wouldn't eat for days, and that's they would go to sleep, you know, being 10-year-old kids, not sleeping. So because of that, you know, I, I definitely grew to have an appreciation for the opportunities that we had here. So in terms of your question of a relationship I have with my parents, um, I would say growing up, we didn't have the best relationship. As I got older, that's when I started to realize um, just the 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 sacrifice you can say that my parents made. You know, as a kid, uh, growing up, because my parents worked so much because they were forced to because they had to provide for their family, I, I come from a family, uh, oh I have four siblings or three siblings, so four included myself. So my parents had to provide for us. And, you know, they're working minimum wage jobs. And then when they got into business, they were working 10, 12, 16 hours a day. So growing up, I never got to see my parents. So I did have a bit of a resentment towards them when I was like a teenager, because I would see my other friends with their parents, you know, playing football, taking them to the movies. And I didn't have that kind of relationship. Um, but as I got older, right, and uh, as I uh, started to adult, right, I became an adult, and started to see the responsibilities of life that's when I start to reflect and 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 truly be grateful for like what my parents did for us because now I'm also a father of a three year old and now I understand the sacrifices that's required to to be there for your for your child so um, I would say it's to, to kind of summarize all that. Growing up, then definitely have the best relationship, um, not because they were bad, but just because they weren't physically there because they were forced to just work all the time. But now I'm definitely a lot more appreciative and I and respect them for everything they did because I'm blessed to be where I am today and definitely wouldn't be here I would if it wasn't for the sacrifices they made when I was um, younger.
0: Dude, that's a cool moment, bro. I appreciate you reflecting on that, man. And, and that to me, like, dude, same with my dad. He got up for work at 1.30 in the morning for 40 years, was in bed by yep. four or five o'clock, right? Like, you don't realize growing up, but that really is such an expression of love because what it takes to do that type of work to support your family when you know they just hate it is really like the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. And it's cool that you grew up and, and gained that maturity to appreciate that. And I'm sure a big piece of you, you and I, I it's crazy how similar we are, a big piece of it, <laughs> For me, I watched my dad get up at 1:30 in the morning and he provided a good life, right? I'm sure just like your right. family did. But again, you look around and you're like, well, there's families with bigger homes, that are spending more time together, that have nicer cars, they take better vacations, right? So, there has to be another way. And ultimately now fast forward to where you are, crushing it, spending probably quite a bit more time with your son than your parents had the opportunity to spend with you, but yes. all of that was probably at some level a recognition of how you felt and you wanting to give your child a different situation when growing up with you. So dude, kudos to your parents and kudos to you for stepping into that, man, because that's powerful.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, to, to add to that, I feel that, um, we as men, uh, I feel like we have an obligation to, um, provide a better future than our parents did. You know, my, my dad did le- my my mom and dad did level us up from where we came from um but it doesn't mean that i feel like if i provide the same lifestyle that my dad did and my mom did i'm doing them a disservice you know although what they gave me like you said like was a great life so like i grew up kind of like middle class ish you know i wouldn't say like my my parents worked enough to where we could live in a a good neighborhood like you know i definitely didn't grow up in a call it a ghetto place of the united states Um, but I feel like if, if I give my, my, my family the same type of opportunities, the same type of choices that my parents gave me, then yeah, I'm doing them a disservice. I feel like I have an obligation to carry the mantle, right? Say, okay, mom, dad, you got us here as a family, like the Soriano legacy. Thank you. I got it from here. Now I'm going to take it to the next level. Right. And then I hope that my children will do the same thing that they will then take whatever I've built and then be like, cool. Hey dad, thanks for everything. Now I got it. I'm going to take it to the next level, and I think that should be the the really the the legacy that every man leaves behind.
0: Goosebumps, bro! That's powerful. That's powerful. And we're only like ten minutes into this so far, and you've already <laughs> given me goosebumps twice. So thank you. I appreciate. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I,
1: I have a heart for that. You know, I I, I have a heart for um, really uh, inspiring men to to become men. I feel like the. the the term masculinity has gotten lost over the years and, you know, people don't know what it, what it means to be, to be a masculine man. I think there's been an attack on it. Um, and, and I have a passion specifically for men to help them step into their masculinity that, Hey, as the man, it is our responsibility to provide for our family. It is our responsibility to make whatever sacrifices necessary to, to be there for our wife, to be there for our kids. And, and, you know, I say that because I, now that I'm older, I saw that my parent, my dad did that for us, you know, and, and, and because it could have been easy for my my own father to abandon my mom, right? It could have been easy for him to be like, you know what? It's hard living Honduras. There's just too much. I'm just going to leave. Because, Quite honestly, that, that happens a lot in, in those countries. And my dad did it. My dad's like, nope, I got you. Like I saw my, I saw my dad do the be be also the best husband he could be to my mom. You know, like he did, he, he tried his absolute best and did the best he could. And he also was the best, the best dad that he could be. So Anyways, going kind off on the tangent there. But. Uh, no, no,
0: not at all, man. How did <laughs> I, I see? You know, uh, before you and I jumped onto this, of course, I wanted to do a little bit of research into who you are and get a vibe for what you put out there. And it looks like your wife's a boss-ass woman as well. She so, is. Oh
1: yeah, she is. She I is. mean, so
0: what is that? Like? I mean, obviously, there's something to that as well within your relationship.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, and it's it's crazy because she has a passion for wanting to see women step into their empowerment, right? Women to understand that the role that they, you know, the role they have a in the family and, and also in the marketplace that, you know, that you can be uh, a queen, both in, in marriage and, and a boss also in the marketplace, right. That, that you can do both if that's what you're passionate about. So, um, so we're both pretty, you know, you can say kind of alpha energy and sometimes that we butt heads at time, you know, uh, the first year of our marriage was, was rough because of that because we're both so, you know alpha and you know it's like my way and anyway so that definitely caused some friction but we've learned how to allow um ourselves to be um we call it like be the lion of your own jungle right like the analogy here is if if you take two lions and you put them in the same jungle right they're both going to try to fight to be the alpha right that's going to be friction and sometimes i think in a marriage that's what happens sometimes you put two alphas together and They both just net like it's just within their DNA. They want to be the alpha, right? Like nobody wants to necessarily be the beta. Um, And sometimes men, they actually make themselves a beta because they're afraid of conflict. And that's a whole nother conversation. But we've learned to establish different call it jungles in our in our in our, you know, life. And we're like, cool. Hey, let's like, instead of us trying to dominate for that one same jungle, let's divide this big jungle into like four or five, six different smaller jungles. And then, Hey, you're the line of this jungle on the line of this jungle. And then that's how we've learned to communicate. We've learned to establish things in our life like, cool. Hey, this is your department. This is like what you're over. And then this is my department. This is what I'm over. And then of course seasons change. Right. And that's why communication is also very important in a marriage. And we we've learned to communicate cool. If certain things need to change, if I need to step in and, and be more of the, um, Kind of, I guess you can say the the parent like take a bigger parent role because right now she's she's a stay at home mom. Then cool, then I can do that and shift as long as we communicate. So so it's, it's been good. Just to answer your question. It's been uh, it's been uh, it's, it's been a learning journey that we're still on. We're still learning. Uh, we never stop learning. So
0: I love that, man. Again, it's it's anytime I, I check out a guy, especially when you're married on social media, and, and I see your wife promoting you and you guys being on the same page. Like that's so important to me. I've been with my with my wife going on 10 years now, and just seeing what that looks like, that's not an easy thing to navigate, especially with your lifestyle and right. how many people you manage and your day-to-day responsibilities. So to see that your wife promotes you, that says a lot about you as yes. a man, bro. So I just, I, I wanted to recognize you for yes. that.
1: And I want to say this to you, all your following for, you know, any of the single men out there, I do believe that who you marry is is definitely one of the most important decisions um, that you'll make uh, really as a man and you want to make sure that you are marrying someone um, that, that has the same core beliefs as you because I, I do think that that's, that that's very, very important. Um, I, I think a lot of guys, they have like a list, you know, like, oh, like, or, or they focus more on the external of a woman and hey, if you can get both, awesome. You know, I'm very fortunate to say I got both. I got both the external of my wife, but more importantly, what matters is the internal. And, you know, I mean, I got married when I was 29 years old. So I see, you know, I have friends who are 25, 24 and they come to me and they're like, dude, what do I gotta do do to, you know, to get a wife? Like I want a wife. And especially this last year, I do think because of COVID, um, we, we have been a little bit separated, so I, I definitely would understand that a lot of guys who maybe aren't in relationships, they feel lonely. And when you're lonely, you're more tempted to um, go against your, 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 your core values. But I would encourage to say that it's very important who you marry. Um, so make sure that uh, don't, don't sacrifice your values just for the sake of feeling that you have somebody Um, And be patient. Again, like if you're 25 and you're not married, that's okay. Heck, if you're 40 and you're not married, like that's okay. Society is the one that tells us that we have to be married, have to own a home, have to have kids by the time we're 23 years old. Like that's not true. Like go at your own pace. You know, I would rather have waited. I'm glad that I was single for an extra five years. But I got married to the right person versus being married five years earlier and sure, not being lonely those five years, but then now potentially be in a toxic relationship or, or in a marriage where my wife doesn't support me or my wife doesn't see what I see or my wife doesn't want to be as successful as I want to be. So just message to all like the single men and women out there is like work on yourself, you know, like that's the best you can do is continue to work on yourself. You truly do attract what you are and who you are, not what you say uh, or what people think you do. Like you attract at the end of who you are and, and you know yourself better than anybody else. So keep working on you and be patient, trust that in, in due time, you will attract the right person. And that will only add to your life, um, not take away from it. So just want to say that.
0: Powerful, man. Patience is a virtue. And it's so obvious to me because I've been in the personal development mindset development space for over a decade at this point, just on my own personal journey. But it seems like you're, you've done the work, man. It seems like your wife has done the work, right? Mm -hmm. It's easy to tell people, Hey, don't jump into that relationship until you're 29, avoid societal norms and pressures. But a lot of people that haven't done that work on themselves, they fall victim to it because it's just so it's, it's a lot for a lot of people. Yep. My question to you would be, in terms of leadership, mindset development, what do you, you know, I know you're a man of faith, right? What do, you, what do you do to to build up your mindset to be able to push away some of those external societal pressures that allow for you to get into a position now where both you and your wife's mindset that you're raising your son together, he's going to grow up to be a very powerful individual.
1: Yes, so I'm sorry, what was the questioning? Exactly? So what,
0: yeah, let, let me rephrase that. So what do okay. you what have you done? You know, what what's some tactical and maybe practical advice to build up the mindset and, and really get yourself into a position where you can avoid some of that societal pressure that gotcha. comes so hard on you externally that you do sort of fall into line and maybe make some preemptive decisions that sure. result in you ending up in a position you don't want to be in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say, um, number one, be, be your authentic self. I think we, we try to be a lot of times somebody that we're not. So be your authentic self, go out there. You know, um, I'm more of a doer. Um, I wish I could say like, you know, go read a book a week. Uh, I'm not much of a reader just to be frank. That's just not me. I'm not a reader. Um, I, I still do think you should read. And that's something that I'm working on myself. You know, it's advice that I need to take for myself. It's to definitely read more. Um, but I've always been, I, in, in my experience, I've learned through just doing it. I've learned through just trial and error, just failing, you know, um, and uh, that's where I've learned a lot of where I am today. So I would just say, go out there and just experiment, try. I mean, you know, but going back to the whole like ma- marriage world, like if you're single, then great date, you know, but, but date with intention, date, date. A lot of people date just to date. You know, they date just to not feel lonely, you know, but date with intentions, right? Have an intention, have a, have a trajectory of where you're going, you know, and, and establish those guidelines very clear. I remember when me and my wife started dating, like we were very clear. Both of us were like, okay, we're dating with the intention of marriage, not with the intention of just being together, just to be together. And we both knew that from the start. Um, so yeah, and then just, just, just try that in and, and the terms of business. I'm um, falling your face a lot. I mean, I've tried a lot of entrepreneurial things until I got into solar, like solar right now is like where I'm at. And it is where, you know, I'm quote unquote crushing it. Um, but prior to solar, right, I did the military. I did network marketing. I started my own fitness apparel business. I didn't mention that part, but I did that for like a year and a half, two years. And all those things didn't work out. But you know why? At the end of the day, I, I learned something because I believe in life. You, you never win or lose. You either win or you learn right and that's the attitude that everybody should have everything in life you win or you learn so you know uh the the marine corps okay obviously i'm not doing anymore but i learned a lot in the marine corps network marketing okay not doing anymore but i learned a lot in network marketing okay my own fitness apparel not doing anymore learned a lot in in that and and everything i've done even solar hey i'm in it now i'm still learning so again just 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 try just do it i think a lot of people they're afraid to fail. They're afraid to go out there and do it because my, my hope is that when my son gets to an age where he's more understanding of the world, that I will speak to him about my experiences, not my theories. I think a lot of people, especially in the business world, they speak theories. You know, I see all these coaches you know, talk about, hey, here's how to earn seven figures in one year. And then you're like, well, have you done it? Like, and not just have you done it, have you done it long term? You know like even in the solar space like i i I can see people who are coaching people on on how to lead a team on how to sell solar and i'm like dude you probably had maybe at most two good years in solar and now all of a sudden that makes you a coach like no it, it takes you 10 years you have to be in something for 10 years to truly be considered an expert in it you know like i've been at this for five years and i still think i have a long way to go so I say that because you know when 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 I teach my son, because your question was like, you know, how we're gonna pass this, I want to make sure I'm teaching him on my experiences. I want to make sure I'm telling my son, no, this is what I've walked through. Hey, I can share with you these lessons, I can share with you these principles, I can share with you these values that I have because this is my experience of it, not this is something I read in a book or this is something I learned in the podcast. Like, no, I walk through this. So again, just go out there and try, like go out there and fail on your face. It's okay to fail. School has conditioned us like high, like, you know, K through 12 conditioned us to think that failure is bad, that if you get an F that is bad. And that is so not true. Failure is the equation for success. I'm, I'm sure everyone that's listened to this knows that, but go out there and fail as much as you can.
0: Powerful bro. Really powerful. You're dropping some absolute nuggets of wisdom on this, man. I appreciate that. The one thing I do want to say to you, because I totally agree with you from that coaching perspective, especially now that I've transitioned a bit into that industry, I see it even more. I think a big piece of this, dude, and and you run, and just for the audience, right, in terms of team meeting size, your your position now at Legacy Power, where you work, is you're a regional manager, if I'm not mistaken? Regional, yep.
1: Oversee about 100 reps.
0: Yeah, okay, so, so that was my question. So you're overseeing about 100 people at this point. So when you stand up in front of rooms five years into this industry, obviously including everything else you've done network marketing, Marines, entrepreneurship, and your t shirt business, right? All of that stuff speaks through you. Yes. So I would encourage you to understand, and this is something I work through with a lot of my clients you might not feel like you're a 10 in the solar space yet because you have not been doing this for 10 years, but that new guy sitting in the front of the room that just joined Legacy Power you're a hundred to him on a scale of one to 10. So the amount of, of knowledge and wisdom you have compared to somebody else that's just starting, there's a lot of people's lives that you can change. And I guarantee you somebody listening back to this recording right now is listening to you as a man speak and they are just jotting down notes and you're changing somebody's life right now. And we are as a result of this type of conversation. So just number one, man, keep doing what you're doing But number two, you definitely have some wisdom that you need to be putting out there. I'm just stopping halfway through this podcast and just making (laughs) that clear because I know somebody's listening to this shaking their head right now and saying, dude, this guy's got it. So number one, thank you for being on the show because we're going to continue this. But that's just epic. So moving forward from here, man, I want to talk a little bit about because I want this, I want somebody listening this that's maybe looking for an opportunity, right? That listens to you. They love where your mindset's at. From a leadership perspective, what do you look for when you want to put your arm around somebody and you want to help them get to that next level? Whether it's in a network marketing opportunity, whether it's with Solar, what do you look for in somebody? What stands out to you as a leader?
1: Yeah, so very little question, and and just uh, just to say this, I, I am the number one thing I'm probably most passionate about is leadership. Um, you know, I love that Solar is the vehicle I'm in, but. You know, I wouldn't say like I'm extremely passionate about solar necessarily. Like, I, I love solar. I love what I get to do, but but really, I'm just blessed that I get to exercise a leadership in solar. Right, that I, I get to run a team and and get to help a lot of people um, in solar. So um, I will. Hey, buddy. Hey, can you go to mama, buddy? Sorry, I got my 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 son stepped in. I
0: can I can just edit it out. Don't worry, bro. What's up, man? Your dad's killing it.
1: Hey, Joe. <laughs> oh, all good, dude.
0: It happens. It happens. It happens. More. Yeah.
1: Hey, hey, that's that's that life right there. That's um, all
0: right. Jump in. So you were saying leadership.
1: Yeah. So leadership. So I'm really passionate about that beyond more than anything else. So, you know, what I look for is um, I always whenever people come on board, I tell them, like, hey, the, he, these are my three rules. Number one, work the hours right? At the end of the day like action will always triumph um, what you intend to do so work the hours number two be, be coachable um, that's probably one of my biggest ones is somebody that is coachable someone that can take corrective feedback um, not someone that is a know-it-all. Um, or, or is not willing to hear what they need to hear. So I'm huge on, on being coachable. And, and that never ends. You know, even with me, even I, I start to remind myself to be coachable. I start to remind myself that, hey, I can still learn from even the newest guy in solar or, or the youngest guy. There's, I, I believe there's always something that you can learn from everybody. I mean, heck, I, I even learned from my three-year-old son. You know, he, he teaches me lessons sometimes without him even being aware of it. Um, and then the third thing I look for is someone that just trusts the process, you know i i do think in life there is this element of chance I, I really do believe that um you know you you mentioned i'm a man of faith and i am in, in the book of uh Iliasi. it talks about that how there is this element of life that that is a little bit of chance meaning sometimes you just have to trust the process you just have to trust that things will work out eventually they may not work out the way you want them to but they will so in, in a leader i definitely want them to to have that right to, to not freak out if things don't go their way, because the reality is my journey, things have, things have rarely gone the way I've wanted them to. But in the end, I'm one day, I'm able to look back and say, you know what, with hindsight, I, it it worked out in the end. So I definitely, you know, those are some of the things I look for. And I think those are some of the things that a leader should possess another one too. Is I think if you want to be a leader, you need to have a set of core values, both for yourself and also for your organization. You know, in our organization, we have a core value of unified, world-class professionals. Those are our three core values. So, as a leader, when you make, when you need to make decisions, um, you need to ask yourself, okay, is this desi- is this decision in alignment with my core values? Um, like, I'm huge on the unified one. Like, so again, the, the three core values we have is we're unified, we're world class, and we're professional. So unified means that there is no division in organization because I do, the Bible says a house divided will not stand. I do believe that. I do believe that if you can divide an organization, it, it's only a matter of time before it falls apart. So being in the Marine Corps, I, you know, I want to bring that Kind of brother sister vibe because that's one thing that I think the military is great at is in the in the military you don't have a coworker type of vibe like you don't say like oh yeah that's my coworker you say no that's my brother that's my sister right and we see each other as that and I learned that from Simon Sinek which is I think one of the best leader teachers out there so. Always want to do the best to create that in organization, because when you have a sister brother type of organization, you understand that people will bicker, people will fight. That's normal because brothers fight and sisters fight. Um, But in the but at the end, they're there for each other. You know, if if I'm in a fight with one of my reps, uh, but if a crisis happens, I got their back. Right. So we want to be unified. The other one world class. That means that we want to be great at everything that we do. Right. Not just not just in solar, not just in financials, but, you know, I'm huge on also being a great husband. If you're married, being a great father, if you're married, I, I actually just recently I had a rep that was going through um, a rough time with his marriage. And I flat out told him I or, Well, I flat out asked him, like, hey, when was the last time you and your wife were on a vacation? And he's like, oh, it's been like over a year. And then in a way, I kind of told him that he needed to do it. But like in a soft way, I was like, OK, well, here's what I need from you. I need you to tell me, I need you to go home to your wife and I need you guys to plan a vacation. And, uh, and, and he did, and he did like, he went home later that night, he texts me. He's like, Hey, we're going to go on a vacation these days. And he, you know, and he just recently got back and like, and I asked him like, so how was it? He's like, dude, it was great. Me and my wife reconnected. I feel like I know her and that's awesome. And I'm, I needed him to do that because I don't want him to be world-class as a, as a leader in my organization, but then be, be not a good husband. So that's what world-class means for us. And then, um, being a professional, right. That one's pretty self-explanatory, just being great at what you do, having integrity, right. Um, not wanting to take the shortcut and, and getting a sale cause it's always uh, ultimately not worth it. So, um, so yeah, so I say that just to say that you want to have core values, you know, so those are my prof- those are my work ones. I also have personal ones, you know, like, one of the main ones for me is that my family is my priority. Like, like that, that's it. You know, my wife comes first, like nothing else comes before my wife. Um, so if, if a decision that I need to make with my life is going to impact my wife or the quality of our marriage, then I don't do it. So as a leader, just make sure you have core values, ask yourselves, okay, what do I believe in? You know, what am I passionate about? And then when you do need to make decisions, align those decisions with those core values.
0: Yeah, man, that's a big piece of it too. And everything is connected. That's the big message that I'm getting from you on that. It's how you do one thing is how you do everything. And if you haven't taken the time to identify those core values, you have nothing to run your decisions through, right? You have no filter. Okay. And that's why a lot of people operate their lives very reactively instead of proactively because they don't know how to evaluate a decision. And that's right. how people have a hard time navigating that path of life. And it sounds like you've taken the time. And this is what I want everybody to get from this, to really sit down with your partner and identify what are our values? What is the filter in which we're going to look at this world through? And how are we going to assess situations and make decisions that are going to affect our life and our family and our business? Yes. And that's, that's a big piece of that, man. And it sounds like faith keeps you grounded it yes. sounds like your son is a really, really good reinforcer for you and your wife. And it's a dude, I, I kind of got the feeling. This is how this conversation was going to go because I can just tell the image that you have out there is not fake. And this is really just how you, you live your life. And it's, it's powerful, man. Yeah. It really is. And, it, and
1: I want to sh- share, I want to share this, you know, I mean, um, I, I want to just share kind of my, 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 my why of where that comes from. So, um, like you mentioned, you know, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian man and I believe in God and, um, you know, all glories always go to him for what I've been able to accomplish so far in my life. Um, and there's a story in, in the Bible that, uh, just for over the years has spoken to me I, a few years ago, I, I hired a, a leadership coach and, and he helped me. kind of get to this, but there was, there's a story in the Bible, you know, everyone's heard of King David, you know, whether you believe in the Bible or not, I'm sure everyone's heard of King David. He's the one that slayed Goliath, um, one of the most uh, dominant figures in the Bible. But there's a story where when he's running away from, from Saul, who, you know, Saul was trying to kill him, he, he goes into this cave, the, the cave of Adullam. And the Bible says that 400 men go with him, right? And the Bible describes these men as men that are in debt, Men that are in distress, um, men that are just broken, right? Men that today maybe we would call betas, right? Men that men today that maybe you know your your everyday leader maybe would not want them because they're you know like oh they're not up to par or whatever. So you know, but but it's interesting. These are these are the 400 men that, that come to David, and then the Bible says that it says that day David became their captain, right? So in other words, David became their leader, and when you fast forward a whole book right? You fast forward a whole book. Now David is the king of Israel. And uh, the Bible now describes these same men as mighty men of valor. And when I read that, you know, God just spoke to me in that moment. And it's like, ask yourself, what kind of leader did David have to be to transform these men from men that were broke in distress, that were just broken people but then transform them into mighty men of valor, And I think there's a powerful lesson there. And uh, cause David was such a transformational leader. He wasn't just, just a leader. He wasn't just a king. He transformed the men that believed in him, the men that were there. And, and, and that's where I, I get my drive from because I want to be that leader. I want to be like a David. I, that, that's the kind of leader that I want to be um, because for, for a long time, I, 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 you know, only wanted to work with the people who had it all together. And in that moment, God spoke to me. He's like, no, like, I'm going to bring you people that like are broken, people that have a broken paradigm, people that are not all there. And, and, and if you want to be a leader, um, you have to understand that leadership is messy. Leadership is messy like yes when you get that ace when you get that guy that just kind of has it all dialed in That's awesome. That's great But the reality is is the majority of the people if you want to lead big organizations um, The majority of the people that you're gonna lead are gonna be broken people, you know And and it's our responsibility to transform them because I believe David was one of the greatest figures in the Bible And even God didn't bring him, you know, good people, like the the people that came to his aid initially were the Bible literally says broken in despair, in debt, you know, but David was the one that transformed them into mighty men of valor. So just want to share that. That's that's kind of like my why, like, I'm like, cool, I want to be the leader that can transform broken people into mighty men of valor, you know, and as long as going back to my, my three rules, as long as they're uh, as long as they work the hours, they're coachable, and they trust the process. If, if they can at least guarantee me those three things, uh, then I, I don't care how broken they are. I don't care how much in debt they are. I'm more than willing to work with them.
0: Dude, good shit. Good shit. So biggest thing with this, and I totally agree with you, especially because I don't even think we've touched on this, but most people listening probably will be, especially when they see your name, my name, the door-to-door space, Right. To go into door to door, I think you gotta be a little broken if we're just being honest with ourselves, right? But there's nothing better than taking those people that are just like, look, I don't know if this is for me, but I need an opportunity. And you fast forward six months later and you see where that person is and they're making more money than the average household income in America in a month. And that person has that sidebar conversation with you and they tell you things about their life that they never thought they would accomplish. It is the most humbling experience in the entire world, the most humbling experience. And I'm sure you have countless stories between you and your reps that they just, they never thought it was possible, right? They committed to those three core values. They did the work and they've committed to values before. It maybe different opportunities and the results weren't there, but they found the right vehicle with the right mentorship and their entire life changed. Yeah. So, dude, powerful. And like you said, and like you, you said any, that is so joyful. Any examples, dude, you want to pop in here just to reinforce this point, feel free to do it, but I didn't mean to interrupt you.
1: No, you're good. And you no, and I just want to say you're you're right. It is one of the greatest joys that you can experience as a human is to watch a life transformed and, and know that you had some role in it, whether that was a big role or a small role, you know. Um, you know, my my organization now is to a point where um, a lot of my leaders are, 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 are doing the the coaching and the mentoring. And, you know, for the first few years in this, like it was, it, you know, I, I was mentoring a lot and training a lot. And so it's even good seeing, you know, the newer guys, they're transforming. And although maybe I didn't have a direct impact on them, meaning like I didn't knock with them or was their mentor, just knowing that I had an impact on their mentor or their mentor's mentor in some capacity and, you know, indirectly I influenced them. Um, that is such a big joy. So, you know, to give you some examples, um, you know, one of my uh, one of my best friends and and also just greatest leader, his name is Jordan. And uh, he I remember him and I were uh, kind of we were broke together, you know, and uh, he I remember one time he uh, crashed in my place. He had, he had nowhere to go. And, you know, fast forward now, he's married and, uh, you know, he just recently purchased a house that he's gonna move in here in San Diego. He's a, It's a brand new build, it's gonna be fully developed and finished in March. And I remember he called me, the, the moment uh, they accepted his offer, he called me and he's like, dude, I'm gonna be a homeowner in March. And we just reflected on where he came from. And I just remember feeling that euphoria of like, wow, like, you know, it, it feels good knowing that I had some impact on his life, you know, and of course, he's the one that did all the work and, and all that. And it, It definitely feels really good. So, I mean, that's just one, you know, another, another story I can think of is, uh, one of my, one of my friends, uh, Jake, you know, also one of my best friends. And I remember when he first started, uh, in solar, he was an Uber driver, you know, he was just doing Uber driver fast forward today, you know, this is now three years later. Now he's married. Um, and just recently announced that he's going to be a dad and, uh, you know, his wife is due in I think March, I remember correctly. I think that's when she's due. And, and him and I were chatting and, you know, he was telling me how, you know, like him and his wife talked about it and she's going to be a stay-at-home mom. And he's very blessed that they have the resources to be able to do that. They have the resources to say, you know what? Hey, I can provide for this family all on my own because the reality is, is most families in the United States, they need both incomes, right? Like I I, I truly believe that if, if most families had the option of having one of them stay home i think most families would take that but the reality is is most ha- most most moms aren't a stay-at-home moms because they need the mom's income like they can't just rely on on the on the dad's income and 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 so i'm fortunate or he was saying that he's fortunate that their income alone right what he makes in solar is enough way more than enough for them to stay at home and and then that way the mom can raise you know the their baby boy, baby girl, whatever it ends up being. Um, so, you know, those stories are just so awesome to hear. And, you know, like, I'm not big on like, cool, they now have a new car. And, you know, like, I mean, that stuff is cool. And, and it's awesome. But it's it's superficial. It only like that joy lasts for a little bit. And then it's gone. And, and I love hearing the stories of, hey, somebody came in, they were broke and debt, now they're married you know, going to have a home or now they're going to be a dad or, or now they, 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 they got out of debt or they were able to provide for their parents, whatever the case is. So those are just some stories that, that, uh, come to mind. Dude, it's generational
0: and and just to close the loop on all of this. And I'm a big, big study of psychology. 95% of somebody's personality is formed from the ages of zero to six. And the interesting piece of this, right. To close the loop is had they not gotten to that level. Had they not been able to maybe allow that mom, because the mindset of the mother oftentimes raises the child, right? Right, So the opportunity now for them to right vehicle, right opportunity, put themselves in a situation now where it's a generational impact because they don't have the stress financially. They have the resources. They have a home that's stable. So they're not continuously moving around and they can now afford to generationally impact and create those ripple effects from making that decision today, that's what you're passionate about. And that's the much bigger picture. And that's the coolest piece of this. And that's why the cars, all that other stuff, like, yeah, that's awesome. Right. But the ripple effects of generational things being fixed because of the right opportunity and the right mentorship, that to me is the piece of life that is by far the most fulfilling.
1: Yes. A hundred percent because I truly believe, I have an experience myself, but I believe that at the end of our, in the last few minutes on earth, before we pass away, um, you know, I I like to picture I'm gonna have a very peaceful death uh, and I hope I'm right. But you know, in in the last few minutes, um, I really believe we're not gonna be reflecting on the amount of money that we've made or have, or the cars or the houses. We're gonna be reflecting on the experiences that we had on the relationships that we built and also on the, on, the, on the impact we had on our family. And I truly believe that the definition of success or one of the, you know, how I would define success in my own way is uh, is what you built or does what you built live beyond you, right? Like I truly believe that every leader should ask themselves that question. You know, essentially if you were to leave the organization today, would it still run the way that you want it to run? If you if you can answer yes to that, then I would say you've built a successful organization or you or you are, yes, a successful leader. Because if, if you leave and it falls apart, then you know, a true leader raises up other leaders, right? That that's how I think a leader's goal should always be how can I raise up other leaders, not you know, how can I have more of the show, right? Or how can I be in the spotlight because I'm doing everything. So, anyways, I say all that to say that. I think the ultimate version of success is, will my kids carry on what I build or or will it end with me? And the irony of that is that I'll never, I'll never know because I'm not going to be in this, in this life anymore, but all I can do is hope that, like you said, that right now our son's three years old, that right now we're giving him the blueprint, the DNA um, for him to grow up and and think not just like us, but even bigger than how we think so that ultimately he can see what me and my wife did for him and our future children and then carry that on because that's how I would define true success. I think true success in life is, you know, will your family, will your kids <coughs> continue what you build? Like that's truly what it means to like leave a legacy behind and and that's what I hope, you know, to one day accomplish that one day I'll be looking down from heaven and Being like, great job, son, you know, you, you did it, you know, and, and, and I want to make sure that, like you said, between the ages of, you're right, zero through six, that's when kids' minds are, they're a sponge and they're, and they, they absorb everything. And, and me and my wife early on, were like, Hey, we want to make sure that he's raised by us, not raised by daycare centers, you know, nothing against daycare centers, thank God for them, but not raised by a nanny, you know, like we want them to have our, our beliefs, our morals, our, our DNA and our blueprint.
0: Do you know who Ed Milet is? Yes. All right. Do you know his definition of what success is? I have
1: not heard it. Enlighten me.
0: I'm going to share this with you because I think it's going to resonate very well with what you're talking about. So Ed Milet thinks that the ultimate version of success is when he passes away, God Mm -hmm. will introduce him to the man that he could have been. Right? The ultimate version of him. And the, the ultimate version of success for him is him shaking that hand's man and them being identical twins in every way. Oh, wow hell for him is meeting that person and being total strangers
1: like who are you (laughs) this is who you you look you look like me but i don't know you yeah
0: this is who you could have been right right? so to close the loop on all of that again i think for you you figured out what's important to you and the ultimate definition of leadership is you helping other people to step into that yes And when you do that and you surround yourself with leaders that live and operate that way, the ripple effect of those other souls that you were talking about from following King David, going back and talking through that, that is when you create that legacy, right? That's when you create that army of a hundred different individuals that with your current space are going out there and literally changing the world for the better. Yeah. But it all starts with solving the problems here. Yes. But again, 95% of your psychology is formed from the ages of zero to six. And we're all raised by flawed people. And no more than two decades ago, mental health was considered a stigma. People didn't talk like this, right? People didn't seek out coaches and therapists and psychologists. There was a stigma to it. Now it's fixing us. So we fix the next generation. That is the work. And that's the conversation that you and I, I hope have inspired in somebody today Yes. If that's what this is all about. It's meant to just create generational ripple effects by fixing us. Like Tony Robbins says, if you fix the boy, the man appears.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: And that was my route of creating this whole grow to gold community and introducing people like you to it because the more people and the more conversations like this, the more people see that it's possible because for yes. most people, it just takes a little bit of inspiration and visible proof.
1: Yes. And You're right. And I think you said something good about Tony Robbins. You know, uh, you said heal heal the boy. The the man shows up. What was it saying?
0: Yeah, heal the boy or heal the heal the girl. And the man or yeah. woman should appear. Will
1: appear. And that's and that's so true because a lot of our paradigms, a lot of our ways of thinking,s are from traumas, right? That we may have had at a at a young age. And and when I say traumas, I think a lot of people think like some pretty heavy stuff. I mean, hey, a, a, a trauma can be like you were 10 years old and your dad said, "I'm going to take you to a baseball game," and then he just never showed up right? Like to a 10 year old, that's trauma for them, right? So trauma doesn't have to be this big thing. Although yes, that's important. Um, but I think yes, it is it is identifying like, okay, what are the uh, kind of experiences that I've had? that maybe I haven't healed through because I do believe you're right. I, I believe that there's always a little boy or a little girl that's crying inside that wants to be healed. Um, and we need to release that energy because I, I think we, we as humans, we are a combination of the energy that we feel. You know, um, there's, uh, science has really proven that we are more energy than we are matter. So if we have unresolved traumas, we need to address those. Right. And, and going back to even the, the marriage, the married people, if you're married, like also have those vulnerable conversations with your partner, because all of us here want to grow, right? Everyone listening to this wants to grow. And whether you're married or you want to be married, um, your partner will either be a great. asset or liability, depending on who you marry. Um, so what I'm trying to say here is, is also being vulnerable, having those conversations with your partner about certain things that you had. So that way you guys can both grow together.
0: Powerful, powerful, man. I think the biggest, just to end this and recap this, you've done an incredible job and I'm grateful for your time here. I think the biggest piece of this in my synopsis, cause I've been sitting here taking notes as well is being vulnerable is a strength. It's not a weakness. Yes. And I think a lot of people, don't understand that because of the society and the societal norms that we live in now that it's cool to feel like you have all the answers. When in reality, if that's the way that you live, you miss out on so much growth and you miss out on so much knowledge. And at the end of the day, putting yourself out there and being not afraid to say, I don't know, and ask for help is how you get around people like John. It's how you join organizations of people that help to lift you up because nobody has all the answers. So stop trying to feel like that's how it's supposed to be because I promise you it's holding you back more than it's helping you. So, John, I want to give you the opportunity at this point, man, just to close this out. Anything you'd like to share in closing, your recap, your thoughts on this conversation, and then just in closing as well, if you can just tell people where to find you, whether it's social media, Instagram, how does somebody connect with you just so we can put a bow on this?
1: Yeah. In closing, I want to echo what you said. If if I was, if I was to say, what is the, the greatest uh, thing uh, that a leader or, or a man, again, you know, not, I know maybe I'm only targeting the men here, but just because I'm passionate about making men step into or helping men step into their masculinity, um, like you said, is, is being transparent and, and also taking ownership. I think society has taught men that it's, it's like, if you show emotions or if you show weakness like that, makes you less than, and that's not true. I think uh I think stepping into true masculinity is number one being transparent. Well that's being transparent with your business partner or that's being transparent with your wife or your friends or your children, whatever. And then also taking ownership, meaning when you make a mistake, own it. Own it. You know, there's a great book, Extreme Ownership, like uh sure everyone's heard about it. Uh but just when you make a mistake, own it. You know, I can tell you many stories of when I made mistakes and I like to think one thing I'm good at is just taking ownership, like looking my guys in the eyes and saying, yep, I messed up. I'm sorry. This is what I learned. And if you give me another chance, you know, I won't disappoint you, you know, kind of having that talk track. So, uh, you know, yeah. In closing, I just want to say that I am passionate about that. Like that I would say is my brand. Um, just helping um, people just step into becoming that best version of themselves. And I'm on this journey too. I don't pretend to have it all figured out. All I can share with people is just my experiences. Um, you know, I don't want to share theories. I just want to share my own experiences and my 31 years of living on this planet. Um, Any more people can find me uh, Instagram. I'm big on there uh, at the general john. That's where you can find me. Um, I'm on Facebook, too. I don't check it as much. Um, I'm not on TikTok. Maybe I should be. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about dancing on TikTok yet. But uh, (laughs) I'm not there right now. But that's where you can find me. And you know, anybody can reach out uh, me and my wife are passionate about marriage. You know, we're going to start doing more content for that. So whether it's marriage, whether it's leadership, whether it's dating, whether, whether it's solar or sales, you know um, um, we are more than happy to talk to you about that. So
0: I love it. And one of the things from my side that I'm most passionate about from the 20, this will be episode number 29 that that I've done so far with this is the, I always invite people. If If John stood out to you, Everything you want in life is on another is on the other side of a relationship that you haven't yet generated. That's honestly how I live my life. So if you're listening to this, and you're not a personal friend of john's yet reach out to him, just tell him he did a great job on this, ask him a question, whatever it is, build that bridge. Because you never know what that next relationship could do for you. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Grow to Gold podcast. If you have not liked, reviewed, or subscribed yet, please make sure you do so so we can help to organically grow this show. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you again, John. Take care, guys. Bye. Thank you.